Ready for a new and exciting career challenge? At DHL Supply Chain, you're part of a team committed to creating innovative solutions for some of the biggest brands in the world. We're recognized as a best place to work, where people are valued, supported, and respected. DHL Supply Chain is hiring for a wide range of salaried operational and functional roles. Previous experience in logistics is welcome, but not required. All opportunities, no boundaries. DHL Supply Chain. Apply today at joindhl.com. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. So now for the moment you all couldn't wait for. I'm excited to announce that I'll be taking my talents to welcome North Carolina to drive the number eight car for Richard Childress Racing starting in 2023. I'd like to introduce you to my new boss, Richard Childress. Well, you know, Kyle, the other week when we signed our contract, there was something I forgot to give you. It was your signing bonus. So I got to give you your signing bonus. Will you hold my watch? Absolutely. How's that? All right. That's all we're going to talk about that. Hi, everyone, and welcome. With that, Kyle Bush is officially a part of Richard Childress Racing. I almost said Joe Gibbs Racing. It's hard <laughs> not to say Joe Gibbs Racing for 2023. Hi, everyone. Welcome to NASCAR America Motor Mouse. Marty Snyder, Kim Kuhn in the studio with us hanging out. The professor, Nate Ryan, as well. Coming up on the show, of course, we want to hear from you guys. 844 NASCAR NBC. We'll talk all things Kyle Bush and Richard Childress Racing. Jeremy Clements will be on the show with us. He'll talk about winning his appeal, which never happens with NASCAR, which he was able to do. Uh, oh, by the way, the first playoff cut race of the year, uh, going to Bristol for the first time with a new car. There's just a couple things going on. Just a few on. news items. A little busy today, yeah. Nate. Uh, other than that, really not much happening. Um, so, Nate, let's talk about the pairing of Richard Childress and Kyle Busch. I would argue maybe the most unlikely pairing of an owner and driver I've looked at in, I don't know, hmm. the last decade or two. What do you think? Actually, I think I would counter you on that, Marty. Okay. I think like they're, they have more in common than you might realize. And actually, Kim and I just yep. did some Race for the Championship <laughs> interviews for the USA docuseries, and we both apparently said the same thing, that we think Richard Childress and Kyle Busch are actually cut from a very similar cloth. I mean, they're both racers, and I think the things that caused them to butt heads at Kansas in 2011, those differences that they had then are also what's bringing them together now. I think like the only thing that both of these guys truly, truly care about is winning. And I think that's how they're able to sort of put aside all of their history and say, let's do this. Let's run together in the Cup Series. Now, I, Kim, I agree with that. I think they're cut from the same cloth. Yeah. I just saw it after... 2011 and 2012 and 13 and 14 and 15 and all the way to now, yeah. I just thought they would never mend those fences and get together. You know, at the beginning of the season, I would have said, no, it's never going to happen. We would never see this. But they've won three races. So I think in Kyle's mind, they needed to prove themselves. They've done that. And I honestly don't think we would be having the conversation of Kyle Busch at Joe Gibbs Racing Excuse me. At again, <laughs> see, there you it's go. Gonna, it's it's, easy, a it's only been 15 yeah, years. Yeah, it's only been 15 it. years. We wouldn't be having the conversation of Kyle Busch at RCR had it not been for this car. Yeah. I think hmm. it's a completely different conversation if we don't have the next gen car and we haven't seen the parity we've seen. We haven't seen RCR in Victory Lane three times this year. 
I don't think it's on the board for Kyle if not for the car. Interesting. So we want to hear your thoughts. 844-NASCAR-NBC. Okay, Nate, before we dive into all the specifics, kind of walk us through the timeline of how we got to this point. Well, I don't think, first of all, anybody thought we were going to get to this point. I mean, if you would have like said this was, was going to happen in the preseason, this was on no one's radar screen. I think everybody thought, even though we knew at the tail end of 2021 that Mars M&Ms was leaving the number 18, everybody just thought like, hey, Joe Gibbs Racing can find a sponsor. We're talking about Kyle Busch. We're talking about future Hall of Famer, two-time champion. Surely there will be funding put in place to ensure that we can pay this guy. But as the season went on, apparently there was a sponsor deal that fell apart. When that fell apart, it, I think, opened up the possibility that Kyle Busch was not going to return to Joe Gibbs Racing because obviously he is a seven-figure salary driver and Joe Gibbs Racing didn't have the sponsor that was able to pay Kyle Busch that salary number. And then, Kim, I think... As Ty Gibbs got in the 45 when Kurt Busch was out and did very well, got acclimated very well to the Cup Series, I think we know that Ty Gibbs is destined for the Cup Series already, but I think that just sort of maybe accelerated uh, his plans a little bit, and that's when it became, I think, a no-brainer for this to happen. Yeah, for me, that put a kink in things. I don't know that necessarily made the decision that Kyle wouldn't be back at JGR, but I certainly think... They thought in their heads, all right, well, if Kyle's not in it, who's going to do that? Ty was obviously in the pipeline. And mm-hmm. to see him hold his own in the next-gen car. Now, he, he hasn't wowed anybody necessarily, but he's hold, held his own. He hasn't crashed anything. And I think that maybe accelerated a decision in favor of not having Kyle back at JGR. But were you surprised? The, the one thing that caught me off guard in the announcement was that they immediately gave him Randall Burnett. And I can understand kind of taking a shot at Tyler Reddick saying, Mm -hmm. hey, we're going to keep you here. We're going to make you honor your contract. And, oh, by the way, we're going to give you very clearly the third team at at Richard Childress Racing. But were you surprised they gave in the press conference right off the bat no sponsors, a number, and, by the way, here's your crew chief. It first surprised me. I was like, why would they separate Tyler Reddick and Randall Burnett when those two have found so much success together? But then on the same token – Tyler and Randall have had so much success together that if you leave them together for one more year, and I don't know what Randall's contract looks like, do you run the risk of Randall leaving the ship with Tyler? Hmm. And I think if you place him with Kyle, he has this opportunity with a two-time champion to make some waves. He's less interested in leaving and following this driver in Reddick that he's had success with. So I think it was a very calculated move separating the two. Yeah, Kim just made this point. She was on the NASCAR NBC podcast that we taped just before the show, and she made that point, which I hadn't even thought of. It's a great one that Randall Burnett, if he's provided the opportunity to work with future Hall of Famer, two-time champion Kyle Busch, I think that's a real incentive for him to stay, regardless of, of what transpires in the future. Obviously, he had a ton of success with Tyler Reddick, but I think that's a big insurance policy for RCR to ensure that Randall Burnett stays. But also, I mean, revenge is a dish best served cold, right? And I think the fact that Richard Childress told Tyler Reddick an hour before this announcement, like, hey, by the way, you're not going to get your crew chief anymore. You're not going to get the eight car that's going to Kyle Busch. I think that that had to be somewhat satisfying for Richard Childress, given the way that Tyler Reddick told the team, you know, about an hour before he went to 2311 racing in 2024, before he made that announcement, he told RCR, hey, this is happening. 
I think there was some of that here at play well, as well. I think it was all very well calculated. And with, and with Randall's contract going beyond this year, I mean, they had his rights and they could move him wherever they wanted to. And I'm sure if you're Randall Burnett, you're not going to turn that down, the opportunity to work with a two-time Cup Series champion. All right, let's get some of your phone calls at 844-NASCAR-NBC. We'll start with Anthony in Virginia. How you doing, Anthony? What's on your mind? I'm doing good, and I'm not sure if Kyle Busch will be very good at RCR. I hmm. think it's very possible, but I'm wondering if you think that it's possible that he could be as good as Dale Earnhardt was. Wow. I don't know. That would be pretty high praise. Um, Nate, what do you think? That's pretty well, pretty lofty goals, I would say. It's funny because Kim and I were just talking about this on the podcast as well, and that like I think generally people shy away from making driver comparisons to Dale Earnhardt because he's Dale Earnhardt. He's a first ballot, first class NASCAR Hall of Famer. He's the seven-time champion. He's the intimidator. But I think if there's a driver who would almost embrace that that burden and shoulder that weight, I think Kyle Busch might be in that conversation because I think in many ways that he's similar to Earnhardt and that he doesn't mind being the villain and wearing the black hat. He likes the whole concept of doesn't matter um, if they like you or hate you as long as they're cheering. I think Kyle Busch is very much in that vein. Now, to Anthony's point, like, can he be as successful as Earnhardt off the bat? I mean, at Richard Childress Racing and maybe bring them their first championship since Earnhardt won the title in 1994. I think that's the big question. But I think, you know, to Kim's point, like, the, the next-gen car has changed that equation a little bit. Yeah, you're not going to see, I think, dominance from any team like we've seen in past years, at least not for the first few years of this car. A lot still has to play out. But to Nate's point of comparing the two, look, nobody's going to fill Dale Sr.'s shoes. But if you have to pick a driver in the current active cup field roster, I think the closest one you're going to get is Kyle Busch. And a lot of people forget because they have good memories of Dale Sr., that he was a polarizing figure. There were a lot of fans that did not like Dale Sr. Same thing with Kyle Busch. He's got half cheers, half boos. So I think they're a little more similar than most people want to accept. How will Kyle Busch elevate RCR as a whole? I would argue they haven't had this level of driver who makes crew members want to come work there. You know, it would attract that kind of sponsorship as well since Kevin Harvick. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, absolutely, Marty. And I think we sort of heard RC say this in the opening statement yesterday at the NASCAR Hall of Fame where he was talking about how he had crew members coming to him and, you know, sort of whispering, are we, are we really getting Kyle Busch? Like, I think that is the enticement here is that, and, you know, we're looking at Austin Dillon here who played a big role in luring Kyle Busch to RCR. I think Austin Dillon is really glad about this as well. And I think he's the right person to be Kyle Busch's teammate. One, because he saw the value in having him as his teammate. Again, he kind of recruited him. But I think Austin Dillon could be, will be deferential. I mean, I don't think he would say this publicly, but I think Austin Dillon understands like, hey, I've won an Xfinity championship, a truck series championship. I'm not a two-time cup champion like Kyle Busch. Like, this is the type of talent we really haven't had at RCR since... Kevin Harvick, and to have like that caliber caliber of driver lead, leading organization and knowing what he knows from his time 15 seasons at Joe Gibbs Racing, I think that Kyle Busch gives them a real chance to elevate their game. Not that RCR hasn't already elevated their game this year with Reddick winning two races. How do you think Chevrolet played into this? Because I, I feel like they were really the instrumental group behind making this happen because they're the ones who came in and said, "Hey, we want to make this happen. Let's let's let's." Even if we have to fund part of it, we'll figure it out. Do you have any idea on that front, Kim? I don't know. You, you, you can read into quotes, and I know Jim Campbell had a bunch to say on 
you know, how things were going to sort out. I do think that manufacturer allegiance, you know, can switch on a dime. And if Kyle was going to throw his hat in any ring, he wanted somebody, an OEM, that was going to very much back him. I, you know, I don't think there was another shot of him being in a different Toyota. I know a lot of people had the conversation of, oh, does he end up at 2311? I think if he's not with JGR, he's not in a Toyota. And then with, you know, the struggles I think that we've seen from the Fords this year, Kyle, from a driver perspective, I think was looking at Chevrolet. And so that makes the conversation much easier when you have the driver on board to be the manufacturer say, yes, we will help you. We will help your truck team. We will do what we can to get you on one of our teams. So that brings up the point of KBM. What happens with KBM now? And I I don't think they have that answer. I think they're still trying to figure that out right now. I mean, it it does feel like it's still being finalized, but, I mean, clearly there had to be verbal commitments made here where Kyle Busch has been adamant throughout the summer saying that wherever I go next, whatever cup deal I sign, it's going to be predicated on making sure I take care of the 50 employees that I have at Kyle Busch Motorsports, meaning that whoever he signs with, he's going to ensure that that manufacturer with that team is going to support his truck team as well and keep KBM going in 2023. So uh, to Kim's point, I I did have a chance to talk to Jim Campbell at Laguna Seca this past weekend at the IndyCar finale. And while he wouldn't confirm that KBM would be part of Chevrolet's lineup, and Jim was very forthright in saying, we want to bolster our truck lineup, that we want to uh, sort of raise our game a little bit and compete a little bit more with Toyota, with Ford in in the truck series. So I think that was a pretty big hint that if they're going to bolster their truck lineup yeah. and adding KBM, I think would be a pretty solid way of doing that. Kim, you brought up the Austin Dillon point, which I find fascinating, you know, and it's not often drivers will call other drivers, say, Hey, come drive for us. I mean, I'm sure they do, but you know, this was a sincere phone call. He was the first one who handed out the olive branch and said, Hey, let's, let's make this happen. Did that, did that surprise you? No, once I heard why. And Austin talked about how Kyle, back in the day, had reached out to Austin and said, Mm -hmm. would you think about driving Xfinity for me? And Austin said he, meaning Kyle, was one of the only, if not the only driver that thought of him as a driver outside of driving for RC. So nobody else except for his grandfather really had looked at him as okay, you are a talented driver that I could see putting on my team. So a a quick surprise, and then immediately once he went into that story, I had forgotten about that little nugget, and then it it was pretty obvious to me how much Austin reveres Kyle and his talent and kind of his knowledge of the sport. And I think think that's why this works, and that it's it's a different situation or scenario for Kyle Busch than I think we've seen before, whereas before he's sort of always been in this team of rivals – type thing, whether it's Joe Gibbs Racing, where, I mean, he and Denny got along, but I still felt as if there was a little bit of an inner squad battle oh, there, there was, right? Yeah, I mean, who was, very end, yes. who was the there alpha dog? Is, was it Denny yeah. Hamlin or was it Kyle Busch at Gibbs? Yeah. Hendrick, obviously, Kyle Busch was just starting out at Hendrick Motorsports, so trying to find his way there, um, he was never going to be the lead dog there in his first couple of seasons in the Cup Series. He goes to Richard Childress Racing knowing that he's the alpha dog, and he goes there knowing that his teammate is a guy who respects him a lot and appreciates the fact that Kyle Busch has already shown that he respects his talent enough that he would have hired him to put him in an Xfinity car. So I think it's a really good situation on the driver chemistry front. Not only that, real quick, you forget, Austin might be in the pipeline to own that. Yeah. 
Yeah, company that's a good point. one day. That's a great Austin's point. thinking yeah. uh, as an owner perspective. Right, right. So there's a lot of personalities involved. And Richard Childress Racing is way different than Joe Gibbs Racing. You both know those dynamics. How's that going to come together? I think that, again, like this is where I think that Kyle Busch and Richard Childress maybe have more in common than we realize. And that, I, I mean, I'm not saying Kyle Busch wasn't a really good fit at Joe Gibbs Racing because clearly he put in 15 years there. He won two championships. He was the face of Toyota. I've heard Toyota executives talk about him that way before, that obviously their NASCAR program will be nowhere if not for Kyle Busch's success. But I, I think, Kim, that like there is something old school about Kyle mm-hmm. Busch that meshes better maybe with Welcome North Carolina than Huntersville, North Carolina, in the way they kind of do business. I think that he might like maybe the modus operandi better at RCR, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, you look at the Xfinity side and RCR has sung the praises of Austin Hill and how much, you know, his personality fits the RCR mold. And I don't put Austin Hill and Kyle Busch in the same uh, category in terms of personality and kind of what they represent. (laughs) I I think we're going to see maybe a little bit of a shift. I don't think Kyle will necessarily change at all. I think maybe RCR kind of changes, if anybody changes, Hmm. and and kind of the dynamic of of their shop and their mentality. Interesting. It'll be be interesting for sure. Uh, There's an Indy 500 aspect to this, Nate. I mean, do we we really think that happens? I mean, I can see him in an Ed Carpenter car for the 500. I think it's possible, Marty, but I I mean, certainly not next year, right? I mean, mean, surely, like, this is something 2024 and beyond. I think he's got to get his feet underneath him first. But, I mean, Kyle Busch has not been shy about saying he had a deal lined up for the Indy 500 a few years ago, and it was Joe Gibbs who said, "Eh, maybe hold off on that. And obviously, if he's driving for Toyota, there is always going to be a conflict there. So now that he's with a Chevrolet team and Chevy Fields cars, the Indy 500, that's really good. I also think it hasn't been talked about much, but, I mean, the Chevy program is obviously connected to General Motors. General Motors has a Cadillac program, and Kyle Busch has talked about wanting to run a prototype. He couldn't do that, really, with Toyota and IMSA. There might be an avenue there where maybe we see Kyle Busch in the new GTP category running a a Cadillac prototype, maybe at Le Mans. Who knows? He did it with a Lexus, but he couldn't do it very frequently, but he did run the 24. So speaking of the Indy 500, a couple of big nuggets dropping in IndyCar today, Nate. Uh, Walk us through that, starting with Alex Pillow and Chip Ganassi Racing. So Alex Pillow, Marty, has agreed to return to Chip Ganassi Racing for the 2023 season after a contract dispute between driver and team. That got quite ugly. Got very (laughs) ugly. Chip Ganassi Racing actually sued Alex Pillow and his management after Pillow had signed a deal with McLaren Racing for next year and Chip Ganassi Racing had picked up its option for next year. Obviously, Pillow was a little unclear on if that applied and they (laughs) took it to the courts. They went through mediation and so here's where we've arrived. And that means that Felix Rosenquist who drives for McLaren Racing, and he's staying, he's staying in their third Indy Which car. Which didn't look likely a few months either. Which looked like it was going to be belonging to Alex Pillow. And just but. to confuse things even further, Alex <laughs> Pillow testing an F1 car for <laughs> McLaren today. It's part of the Spain. deal. Part of the deal. Part of the deal, yeah. which all sounds crazy. It's been the craziest silly season in NASCAR, IndyCar, F1. It's everywhere, right? Yeah. It's been insane this yeah. year. That's need a... Yeah, need a flow chart to to keep up with Mm -hmm. everything going. Yeah, it would be awesome. So, hey, when we come back, why don't we talk the cutoff race? The first one of the playoffs is coming up at Bristol. Could two champions be out after Saturday night? We'll talk about that next. 
Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Kyle Busch, the first thing that comes across their mind. I hate that guy. Kyle Busch is an ass. Kyle Helmet on versus Kyle Helmet off are two totally separate people. I have misunderstood my whole life. It's my first year in the Cup Series. This is a whole nother level. Terrible. There's a bunch of killers in here. You have to be the closest to crashing to go fast. Go me! God, I just think I'm If you have not caught race for the championship, number one, you can catch Nate and Kim. That's number one. And number two, it's been fantastic. All the off-track stuff is just terrific with the drivers. Nate, here's uh, things heading into Bristol, the first cut race of the Cup Series playoffs, and two champions below the cut line. It's amazing. It is. Eleven combined victories at Bristol Motor Speedway between Kyle Busch and Kevin Harvick. And, uh, yeah, I don't think we've ever been in this sort of situation before. And, obviously, we've never been in a situation where um, Christopher Bell is locked in on points. <laughs> right? But yeah. no one's no locked winners. in on wins. Yeah. How is this possible? I, I yeah. don't know. It's been a crazy year and crazy playoffs. Now, with 18 winners in the Cup Series, why not? Let's go for 20. I think we could legitimately get there as well. You know? I legitimately um, could. Yeah. Before we start talking about who will make it through Bristol and what the cut line looks like, let's grab a phone call here. Josh in Massachusetts. Josh, what's going on, man? Uh, yeah, this is uh, Joshua Boston from West Nebraska. So my question is, ever since stages have been added into the playoffs point system in 2017, we've seen the regular season champion seal the deal and win the actual championship at season's end. And that was every other year. We saw Truex take it in 2017, Bush 2019, and most recently Larson last year. But in 2018 and 2020, we saw Joey Logano and Chase Elliott take it from the regular season champions there. So does this trend continue with Chase Elliott this year, or does he break this on and off streak and win the championship at the end of the year? What do you guys think? Good question, Josh. Kim, what do you think? I mean, I, I think Chase has, you know, going into the into the regular season, kind of started slowing down a little bit and then really hasn't been that great in the first two races of the playoffs. No, but really, who has been outside of Christopher Bell, who's locked himself in, been point. really great in the yeah. first two races. And even all season long, we've had this ebb and flow. Because, I mean, Trackhouse, for a good portion of the beginning of the season and into the second half of the season, we were talking about Ross Chastain and Daniel Suarez and how 
much consistency they had in terms of where they were running throughout the race. And now they're ninth and 10th on the board. So, you know, we say it week in and week out. It really is like throwing a dart at a dartboard in terms of picking a champion at this point. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll say, Marty, I'm, I agree with you. I'm, I've been surprised by Chase Elliott and the mistake at Darlington was hugely uncharacteristic. Very uncharacteristic. Yeah. And you just, you just figure that when the playoffs start, everybody's going to raise their game and bring their best stuff, and that's the toughest track on the circuit. So for Eric Jones to win there and then to have another, I mean, technically Bubba's a little bit of an exception because his car is in the championship playoffs, but to have a non-playoff driver win at Kansas, uh, it surprised me. And I don't know if you can really tack it up to anything but the next-gen car, but it just seems like teams don't really have their arms around being able to raise your game to that championship level that we've always seen in previous playoffs where, you know, the first two races, whether it be opening at Chicago or Las Vegas, it seemed like it would always be opening practice, all playoff drivers in the top ten, all playoff drivers finishing sure, in the yeah. top mm-hmm. ten. We're not that really seeing that so far. Yeah. Well, and what I would say, it speaks to the streakiness of the car this yeah. year. Yeah. I mean, you've seen, you know, you look at right going into the playoffs, Joey Logano, hottest team by far. They've been okay in the first two races. Not bad, but, mm-hmm. you know, they didn't run. They got the pole at Darlington, didn't race that great. Uh, last weekend, they were okay. Uh, but who you've seen be good the first two races of the playoffs, Christopher Bell, Denny Hamlin, they've really kind of stepped it up. They weren't so great going into the first few weeks before that. So, to me, it's just very streaky with a car. And it's, it's can Chase Elliott and his team put it together at the right time? And that's what I don't, I don't know. I don't think yeah. anyone really knows that. But what we do know this weekend is the first cut race. So, that's going to be exciting. So, Kim, let's start from the bottom up. Ooh. Kevin Harvick, what are the chances he winds up in the second round? It's, it's, it's a must win for Harvick. But this is territory where he's been before and he's delivered. He has and he's delivered, but I don't think he does it this time around. I just, I have not seen them show me something this season outside of those two wins that makes me feel confident in their ability with their backs against the wall. And, you know, he could technically maybe still point his way in if he were to win stages. But look at that stage win column on the year. Yes. No stage wins. Zero. And that admittedly from yeah. Kevin and Rodney Childers has been their weak spot is getting stage points and winning stages. So I just don't think it happens for Kevin. This is the 2014 Phoenix win that yes. put him into Miami. This yeah. is the Dover win yeah. that advanced him into the next round of the playoffs. I mean, these are two examples of him having to, needing a win yeah. at a cutoff race and yeah. making it happen. That's I've got him going through, and that's huh? exactly why. I mean, we're talking about, like, backs against the wall team. This is the quintessential, like, when the chips are down, this is the team and the driver that always comes out. That, that high school wrestler side of Kevin yes. Harvick always comes out when you tell him he can't do something. <laughs> That Team Bakersfield side of him comes out and says, me against the world, and I'm going to make this happen. I mean, Kim's right. Like, maybe there haven't been as many moments like that this year, and certainly stage wins are a problem. Um, this team, I think they could get through on points, but they're, they're going to have to really change that narrative of yeah. not being able to run well during the race. But I think that they definitely could win, especially given that Harvey's got three wins here already. All right, what's your thoughts on Chase Briscoe? He's the next in line, and, and I feel like this racetrack really suits him. Dirt race aside, doesn't mean anything for this weekend. Yeah. Obviously ran well at Bristol there in the spring, too. Well, three weeks ago in this very set, Marty, uh, we, me, you, and KP did our uh, playoff predictions, and Chase Briscoe was my big surprise. Mm. So, obviously, I have to be, like, all in <laughs> on in. the number 14. So, uh, yeah, I've got Stuart Haas Racing getting both of their drivers, despite being 15th and 16th right now, forward in the second round. I mean, Briscoe was a huge 
disappointment at Darlington. Some of that was yeah. because he got involved in the, the chase accident. But even before that, he started at the back. Yeah, it, it wasn't good before the chase accident. Yeah. Trust me. Yeah, it was. But but they rebounded a little bit at Kansas. And, you know, when, he, when we had him on Motor Mouths a few weeks ago, he was talking about how it was just a matter of execution. That they've had the speed. It's just the execution. But was he was also there. talking about how he felt like he would, they would be really good at Kansas and how they would be True. good at Dover. And they True. were they weren't great at either. Hey man, spot. like I said, I'm yeah. all in. Like, I'm committed. <laughs> You're I have allowed to, to change your picks, Nate. No, it's okay. No, I got to stay with him. I am not committed to Chase. <laughs> you have him out. I have okay. him out. I mean, there so much could happen. We like to make these picks, but he's only nine points out. Right. So that could be easily fixed, you know, with a good stage or two. But I just they've had woes in the first two races. I don't think that changes. I think their playoff struggles and. Whether they want to call it bad luck or not executing continues. Mm-hmm. All right, Kim, how about Austin Dillon? I, I don't see a win happening Saturday night, but they don't need a win. I mean, you talk about how yeah. Chase Prisco's only nine out. He's only three out. Here's the thing for Austin with me. His inconsistency at Bristol does not have me betting on him. We see some, And he, he told me that post-race in Kansas. He said, sometimes Bristol's good to us, and sometimes it's very bad to us. And... Nobody knows what we're going to see because this is the first time the next-gen car has been on the concrete of Bristol. Mm-hmm. And with so much inconsistency at that track outside of this new car, I think, the, I think 14, 15, 16 currently uh, below the elimination line stay below the elimination line. Interesting. Okay. All right. I've got Austin Dillon going through, and that's partially because... That because you picked that three weeks ago? <laughs> yeah, He's well, literally yeah. picking the opposite <laughs> well, of all the, the things There I'm is picking. some uh, logic uh, and rationality to this, because I do think that Austin Dillon races well at this track, well enough that he can stay out of trouble, and I think he does manage points well. So I, I do believe that he will get through, but regardless of that, I did also have him uh, getting through three weeks ago, and it was on the NASCAR NBC Twitter account, and we, I was actually at Playoff Media Day the next day, and Austin Dillon saw me and said, hey... Thanks for having me out of the first round. So mm. I'm totally committed, obviously, at this point to okay. Austin Dillon making it through. Okay, it's fine. <laughs> You're allowed to change just for future reference. Uh, all Can't right, do it. let's talk about the other champion, Kyle Busch, coming to one of his best racetracks. Uh, we've talked about him a lot about 2023. Let's focus now on this race and moving forward in 22. Does he make it out of this round? He, he doesn't on my list. Does uh, not? He was not, yeah. Well, because you picked that three again, weeks ago. Again, yeah. three weeks ago, change. I said Kyle Busch would not advance. But, like, again, there was sound logic here, I thought, that he's got so much going on. Um, and he's still in relatively good position, considering, you know, yeah. how poorly Darlington went at the end, having the engine failure where it looked like he was going to win. And then having the, uh, the spin at Kansas as well. To be only two points down and to be an eight-time winner at Bristol, I mean, no one has won more often at Bristol Motor Speedway than Kyle Busch. Uh, but yet, I just I feel like this isn't his year, Kim. I feel like we're going to see that Saturday night. Well, I'm using your stat of his eight-time winner at Bristol to say he does move on. I don't think he wins the race. Okay. But I think he does well enough that he moves on. And I'm actually, I'm, I didn't say it on any of our NBC shows, but for NASCAR.com, I said he was going to be an early exit to the playoffs, and I'm changing my mind. I think he makes it to the next round. Wow. So you're allowed, Nate. See, so you're allowed. Okay. I'm just yeah, trying to it's okay. show Nate a good example of, <laughs> especially with the season, I mean, how it's gone. I feel like he can change your mind every week. You know, Nate, to me, this is where the playoffs get really cutthroat. This yeah. race is where that starts. Because if you're in the if you're in this playoff field and you're above the cut line and you have an opportunity to knock out Kyle Busch, to knock out Kevin Harvick, you're going to take that this weekend and do everything you can to keep them out. It reminds me a little bit of 
this is a weird analogy, but I can remember that like three point shooting contests. Like, <laughs> All right. Like Larry Bird would always get off to slow starts, and then they'd regret it because he'd get really hot toward the end, and they'd be like, "Ah, we should have knocked him out in the first round. We yeah. should have let him slip through." Correct. I think same situation applies here, Marty. That like you don't want to let a Kyle Busch slip through into the next round because like Kim's right like maybe he does get hot and then the world resets next next week at Texas yeah everything can change so I think you're right I think this is if you're like an Alex Bowman or a William Byron um, guys who have been struggling toward the second half of the regular season but now find yourself in a really good spot of maybe being able to advance I think you're also looking at as we can advance and we can also maybe prevent like one of these guys these contenders from advancing as well I think that that, you know, is, a, is an opportunity for everybody else. They're going to be watching what they're doing and trying to do everything they can to, to keep them out, especially as hot as Harvick was at the end of the year. I mean, yeah. Well, you know, does the team dynamic change now between Denny and Kyle, knowing that Kyle? Well, I mean, Denny's known for I two know, months. Yeah, I mean, we've all known Whatever for two he's months w- what he was doing. But now you know, that it's we're official. Not exactly what he was doing. Now that it's official, maybe. And you have to remember, too, that in this race last year, Two drivers who were below the cut line left yeah. above the cut line. So it can happen. Mm-hmm. And this, that was Byron think, and Bowman, right? Byron yeah. and Bowman. Yeah. I think the points are going to be very dynamic Saturday night. So They're going to move be. around. Things are going to change very quickly. So I think there's going to be a lot at stake this weekend. And by the way, Kyle Busch and Kevin Harvick have never been eliminated in the first round of the playoffs. So that's going to be interesting to see what happens as well. Hey, when we come back, we'll hear from Jeremy Clements. Believe it or not, his appeal won. He won the appeal. He's in the Xfinity Series playoffs again. We'll ta- chat with Jeremy next. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Austin Hill on the inside. Jeremy Clements on the outside. Clements, he's going to be clear. Clements trying to block, trying to slow this down. Here comes AJ to the bottom. Can Clements get there? Inside, 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 inside. Coming up on one more time around, and around goes the 98. Will they get the white flag? White flag, keep digging. Jeremy Clements in front, and the caution comes out. That will end the race. Jeremy Clements is going to win at Daytona. and uh, a lot of them haven't worked out, so I, I guess we finally got one. It's uh, incredible to win a Dave freaking Tona, man. Holy crap, Dave. Wow. And this time it's for real. Jeremy Clements is really in the playoffs, and it's official <laughs> at this point after the appeal and your win. Jeremy, congratulations. Now the 10th driver in the Xfinity Series playoffs. Uh, you know, listen, let's be honest. Appeals don't work. Were you as shocked as we were when they said, yes, you win it? <laughs> Oh man, it was uh, it was nail biting. I was so nervous. Uh, it was one of those courtroom type setting deals, and just didn't like anything about it. I don't ever want to do it again. I, don't, <laughs> I hope we don't ever have to go there and do any of that again. It was miserable, but it was myself, Mark Setzer, my crew chief, and my dad Tony, and uh, we went, man, and uh, 
we, we did it. We won, and it's like we won again. So it's, we're celebrating again, man. This is a, this is a big deal to, uh, to get it overturned, and we're just so happy that the appeal process worked. We're, we're very grateful that there is an appeal process, too. Jeremy, can you kind of explain why you felt like or why you were told that they ruled in your favor, like why you felt you won the appeal? And I'm curious, like, did you get any reaction from NASCAR? I mean, maybe a sorry or something like that, or apology <laughs> from, from the NASCAR side? Yeah, right. <laughs> no, I mean, not really. You know, uh, we were very caught off guard with what happened, but uh, we kept investigating, doing some homework and trying to figure out why and what happened and where, you know, things like that. So we ended up uh, noticing that the, there was other winning engines there and they didn't have their intakes. And we unfortunately brought ours because just because we didn't know and it didn't need to be there. So that's what this all came down to. So luckily we were able to get it overturned, we had a great group of panelists in there. Uh, the three guys in there were great and they were, they just had common sense and that's what prevailed this time. So uh, just so happy to get this victory back and our be back in the playoffs. We're so excited our sponsors and our partners and our friends and family we work so hard uh literally right behind me there uh mark's setting up the bristol car so uh we just we just work so hard each and every day and that's so cool to watch uh allsouthelectric.com and one uh one stop convenience store in a car those are my two longest partners right now one stop was my first go-kart sponsor when i was seven years old so it's so cool that he was on that car that day and uh man what a what a blessing it was god's good for sure you guys have spent basically the last two weeks in this kind of limbo area, but typically when teams win and know they're in the playoffs and as the weeks get closer, they kind of start to prepare themselves. You guys have had to go through this appeal process. Have you had any time to focus in the last two weeks on maybe this appeal will go in our favor and we need to start thinking about getting playoff ready? Yeah, I mean, we were just uh, we had our heads down, keep digging. We were, like I said, we were doing our homework on the appeals but yet still trying to build fast uh, Chevrolets each and every weekend to go to the racetrack and try to be as unbeatable as, as Finn the Internet every weekend. But uh, I'm telling you, it's uh, it's great. We're working with Chevy to try to figure out how we can get our stuff better for these upcoming races coming up at Texas, Talladega, and then the Roval at Charlotte. And you just never know. Those are three totally different tracks, and I'm really looking forward to the challenge. And, hey, we have nothing to lose, guys, so we're just going to give it all we got and – uh, hopefully it's good enough to advance to the next round. Hey, Jeremy, so kind of describe for us what it's like. I mean, you, you mentioned it. It's like a court setting. So kind of physically <laughs> describe the room. And what was your case? Because from what I understood, actually what they caught you for would have actually had less horsepower in the car. Is that not correct? Yeah, it did. But, you know, Marty, that's uh, that was one part of our case. It was 15 thousandths we're talking about from the from the bottom of the plenum and the intake to the top where the carburetor sits on um the the problem was like i said there was five other winning engines there they didn't have their intakes on they didn't inspect them there was another competitor that won a speedway race his intake was last checked in february so it's really Hmm. not fair so they they've actually went ahead and fixed this rule too after this happened uh the last two races the intakes have got a red seal on them now so they will be inspected which they should be and, um, you know, if we would have got our intake expected like it should have been, this wouldn't have happened uh, at all. Or we just wouldn't have brought it, obviously, because, uh, yeah, and the <laughs> performance doesn't help. So, and, and we didn't even need to get the, the engine teched until two weeks before the end of the season. 
And, at, you know, if we were trying to do anything, we, we would have just waited. I mean, and I'm telling you guys, obviously, you saw the video. We didn't have the fastest car. We didn't win that race because we had the fastest car. We outlasted them, and we played our strategy right, like I said, and that's what won that race. So just so glad that it worked out, so happy. Uh, it's just so relieved, big the black cloud is gone now, so it feels good. That trophy's sitting there right behind me. I, I know you guys can see it. Oh, wrong way there. There you go. Yeah. So just, just really happy again. Yeah, it's it's a great story, Jeremy. And obviously, you, you play the underdog role really, really well. You've been in this position before. I'm, I'm wondering, you know, that you've you've had an upset win before in the Xfinity series and and been in this situation. Did you learn anything from? You know that time six years ago after the road america win like that maybe you could apply to what you guys try to do here as you attempt to take on this herculean task of trying to win an xfinity series championship in the playoffs well last year you know we made the playoffs and i'm telling you nothing went right las vegas was the first race we got involved in a big wreck talladega we broke a lifter in the engine and then charlotte at the roval we finished 12th so all we can do is just hopefully have some better luck this time and uh, man, that's that's cool watching that Road America win. That was five years ago, and to win at a road course and now a super speedway, uh, that's that's awesome. And now I just want to go to a Bristol and win. And I think uh, I think we've got a good shot to do really good there. We we finished fourth there and sixth, and we've run competitively there. So hey, don't count us out. We're we're liable to go upset uh, everybody at Vic, at Bristol. Well, we're not going to count you out uh, in this first round of the playoffs after Bristol because, like you just said, you've won at a road course. And a super speedway. And there is a road yeah. <laughs> course, a roval, and a super speedway in that first round. So how much more confidence does that give you to possibly be able to move past the first round? It, Cam, it does. It gives us a lot of confidence. We know we just won at Daytona, so why not? We can do it again if we outlast them like we did. And you never know what kind of engine we'll get under that hood. You know, we run Clements Racing engines, but uh, we're trying to see what else we can get to put under there. But... Uh, just excited for the opportunity. It's it's a it's a privilege to even be able to get to be in the playoffs. And uh, like I said earlier, we have nothing to lose. We're going to give it all we got. Uh, Mark's literally working on the car behind me, and uh, he's putting them in the magic setup for Bristol. So uh, <laughs> uh, we're, we're we're already working on the uh, the upcoming races. This is the Speedway car that we won with at Talladega. So we we might we're we're actually going to use it again. You know, uh, she's lucky, hmm. so might as well roll the dice again with her and see what we got we had a good you just saw that pink kevin whitaker chevy in in that uh video there we're gonna have it ready for the roval we've been fast at the road courses so uh the roval's unpredictable anything can happen there too so just uh, a lot of fun tracks coming up they're all like i said unpredictable anything can happen and looking forward to the challenge all right bud well good stuff congrats on finally officially being in the playoffs now we'll see you in bristol on friday okay Thank you guys so much. I appreciate being on the show. All right, bud. Thanks. Jeremy Clemens joining us here. Always a fun interview. Always fun to hang out with him. So with that said, the Xfinity Series down to the last race of the regular season. Let's check out the playoff standings as we head into Bristol and how things shape up. So, Kim, we actually finally have a, a real points race there yeah. at the bottom of the grid. Yeah. I mean, I think it's going to be pretty tough for anybody to hopscotch their way in. And maybe Sieg. You know, I think it's going to be close to impossible for Sheldon to do anything. And what a heartbreak for him uh, because he was within striking distance had Jeremy's appeal not gotten thrown out or gotten approved. Uh, and he's never had a start in the Xfinity Series mm -hmm. at Bristol. And to me, Bristol favors experience 
and veterans. And you, you look at Landon down there in the 12th position. He has so many starts at Bristol. I know we haven't seen big waves necessarily from that team, but just from an experience perspective, I don't think we see anything change. Yeah, I mean, it feels like obviously they're still in their regular season, so it's sort of a different type of scenario. But it's it's different than what we saw with the Cup standings there. We saw one guy locked in. Mm-hmm. There you've got, what, 10 yeah. guys of 12 yeah. slots locked in. So there's just not as much potential for movement. And unfortunately for, yeah, Sheldon Creed, it's really turned into win or bust at yeah. Bristol, which is tough. But are you not shocked that Landon Castle and Daniel Hemrick are sitting in the spots they're surprising. sitting in? Yeah. I mean, I never would have dreamed that at the beginning of the season, especially with Daniel Hemrick. Yeah, I mean, that would be, I think, a huge disappointment, especially Landon Castle, you know, getting the full-time sponsored Xfinity ride this year. If he were somehow to get bumped in the regular season valley at Bristol, I mean, that would just be a huge disappointment. Colleague in general has been a disappointment, a I think, for yes. a lot of people yeah. because we had them circled. Most people had them circled as going to be a standout this season with what we saw last year. And we've certainly seen strong showings from AJ, but for whatever reason, they cannot get their act together as a complete team. And, and we, I think you you saw that they're they're throwing the kitchen sink at it with all the changes sure, yeah, that yeah. we've seen between the Hemrick and Castle teams recently. But I would have bet anything that Daniel Hemrick would not be in a spot, not locked in. Yeah. Going Defending the Defending Series Champions. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Coming so up, yeah, getting his first didn't, win. Didn't see this coming at all. Let's grab one phone call before we get to the schedule news today, which Nate's going to give us here in just a moment. Marvin, what's going on with you? I'm doing pretty good, Marty. Hi, Tim. How are you to do, doing this evening? I'm doing good. Say hi to Nate, too, Marvin. Oh, he already has said hi to me. (laughs) Hey, Marvin. (laughs) Go ahead. So, so guys, we are uh, getting ready to talk about the 2023 schedule, and I want to know from you guys, what uh, races are you most looking forward to uh, next year? I know I'm looking forward to NASCAR going back to uh, Milwaukee, uh, to Wisconsin, and for NASCAR to go back to uh, North Wilkesboro Speedway. Nate, look at Marvin playing producer for us. What a perfect transition for you to give us all the news <laughs> on the schedule. So go ahead and tell us the schedule's announced uh, for the Cup, Xfinity, and Truck Series today, which has rarely been done when they've announced all three at one time right. for NASCAR's 75th anniversary, doing everything together. So as Marvin asked, going to give us the highlights. Sure. So no huge surprises on the Cup schedule. I and mean, Marvin asked, like, what am I most looking forward to? Obviously, as someone who went to school in Chicago, I'm certainly looking forward <laughs> to the Chicago street race on yep. the July 4th uh, weekend or thereabouts. Uh, aside from that, the other major changes for the Cup side – uh, North Wilkesboro having the all-star race. Uh, but beyond that, really not much new. Obviously, some a little bit of tweaking going on in the Xfinity Series with Sonoma yes. um, being added as a new stop. That's interesting. Excited for that, yeah. I have to uh, say. I'm sure and the Xfinity eight, Series is as well. Eight road courses? Yeah, eight road courses. They add the Chicago Street Race as well. Um, and they lose Texas Motor Speedway Talladega Fall Race on the Xfinity side. And then some interesting news on the Truck Series side. Going back to Indianapolis Raceway Park and going back to the Milwaukee Mile. Love that. Which yep. uh, maybe some IndyCar potential there in the future, right, Marty? And going, yes, maybe. I'm, yeah. I'm mm-hmm. hoping. Yeah, that would be. <laughs> Schedule's not out yet. I'm hoping for 20, Maybe not for next year. Yeah. <laughs> but also trucks going to North Wilkesboro, which I thought was very cool. Points race at North Wilkesboro. Um, Road America keeps Xfinity, which I thought is great for Road America, right? They still are in the game. They're still around. Uh, NASCAR also said today, final two race, a uh, final mile uh, race at the two mile track at California, which I'm assuming that now means it's really going to go to a short track. Yeah, which uh, you know I, I'm I'm a little bit torn on because uh, I've 
got sentimental attachment to Fontana. Right. That was where I actually started my journalism career was out there. Um, but also, I just feel as if there have been so many mile and a half and two mile levels of sort of lost races mm-hmm. in the last few years since they made this announcement that I think it's great to have them their short track, but at the same time, I will miss the abrasive asphalt. The racing is so good there. At two-mile Fontana. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it has been so good. Uh, the other headliner, now just one race at Texas Motor Speedway. I don't think that's a surprise Not a surprise. And, and there was one point where we were going there three times a year yeah, right. for a very long right. time. So I think it's great to mix things up. I'm excited to see what you know some of the new markets bring. And I love that they threw a nugget still at all the uh, Wisconsin folk. Keeping the Xfinity race at Road America and then having the Milwaukee Mile, because I know a lot of people were upset the uh, Cup race was leaving Road America after a good two-year stint there. Uh, spring race at Martinsville, Sunday afternoon now, Nate. Uh, Atlanta, summer races both at night. Everyone in the crowd says thank you because it was only 98 degrees there. Yeah. And uh, Bristol, <laughs> now the start of the Xfinity Series playoffs. Why not? I mean, yeah. my goodness, right. what a start to the right. playoffs for those guys. Did you see Chase Elliott's tweet? Uh, yes, less is more. And I like, and night, I like races. night races. I think because of Atlanta. You, you, think it, yeah. you think it was? Or he yeah. was saying maybe we could move some during I think the week? Maybe I both. think he was saying. I think both. Okay. Well, good. <laughs> then why not? You know? Hey, when we come back, it's Bristol, baby. First cut race of the playoffs. What do we expect at Bristol this weekend? I don't think the teams know, but we'll discuss it next. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. I wish I had something like a shot through the window. So many things that have to go right and so many things that can go wrong. I guess when the race is over, his brakes really didn't work. Joe usually doesn't drive like that. I got some really good words for him, but I can't say it on TV. They keep talking about rivalries, and we might have one now. Kyle Busch is an ass. Oh, the Bristol night race. <laughs> I can't wait. I love this race. I mean, you know, Nate, when people always ask me what race to go to, this is, this is the one, right? The one I tell them. Yeah. Uh, Going to be a busy week, isn't it? All oh, the Biff is on the Dale Jr. download. How about that? Tune in for that. Thursday, race for the championship. We already talked about it. Thursday, 10 p.m. Eastern on USA. And then, uh, yeah, MotoGP, Aragon, Sunday, 3.30 p.m. on NBC after you get done Marquez recovering back, from Bristol. Huh? Marquez, Mark yeah. Marquez. The, can't uh, believe that. Uh and then Cup, obviously, first cut race of the playoffs, Saturday, 7.30 on USA. Xfinity on USA as well. Going to be a lot of fun this weekend. So, uh, first real race at Bristol. I'll throw the dirt race out because you didn't learn anything. No. Uh, for the new car. So, Kim, you talked to a lot of teams. Do they have any idea what to expect Saturday night? No idea whatsoever. And they tested Bristol, but that was way, way back, you know, yeah. 2021. Well, there was a, there was there a was test a, test, a couple but, of weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. But, like, but from, like, think, a learning perspective, yeah. uh, I don't know that they learn anything from that. And there was dirt on it. Yep, look at that. This last is last year's, year's test. test. That's yeah. the one I was referring to. I had forgotten yeah, that correct. they tested yeah, a couple yeah. weeks ago. Right. Uh, but, you know, those tests don't always prove anything. 
I think a lot of people are going to have a lot of questions, and we might see a lot of cars spin out, yeah, honestly. Yeah, well, I know that like a lot of drivers have obviously been in the simulator, and the feedback that I've heard from that is that the new car could be faster. Could be. It's already fast enough. Will be fast. Yeah, will be, you know, like. They're going to break a track record. Like sub-15 second qualifying laps, right? That's probably what we're going to be talking about. And it's going to be really, really physical. And that 500 laps around Bristol Motor Speedway on Saturday, they're really going to feel it. So to that point, I've heard, I've talked to several drivers this week that said they think this is not even close going to be the most physical race of the year. Is that what you're hearing as well? Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, we already knew this is, I mean, what other race do you see guys get out and just look completely Mm -hmm. spent? Uh, especially, I mean, obviously it's in September now when it was in August, it was a little bit of a different ball game, but I'm sure that the heat aside, it's going to be, it might be a cooler night, but I don't think it's going to be any less taxing on these guys. I think it's going to, and especially with so much to play for, which we've been talking about all show about this point spread and how tight things are, uh, you know, and Kim made the point earlier that, you know, there are guys like William Byron and Denny Hamlin who could clinch if they get good stage one finishes. So I think we could see all sorts of divergent strategies and all this pressure involved. Um, I think we could see some fireworks out of it. And lots of mistakes. Yes, there which been has been the theme of the so playoffs. There have been so many mistakes the first two. This is a track it's really easy to make mistakes on track as a driver, on pit road as a driver, on pit road as a crew chief and or crew. So I'm looking to continue the trend three for three and lots of mistakes. By the way, uh, and you mentioned this on our call earlier today, very easy pit road to speed on. And, that, and boy, if you get a late one here, you, that's going to be bad for you. All those highlights you just saw were all just last year, Xfinity and Cup. So do we see a return of that level of anger? Now, that happened at the end of the race. Harvick was, <laughs> was moved out of the way by Chase Elliott with four to go. So yeah. he, had, he didn't have much time to get over. But do you think that returns in a playoff cutoff race, Nate, where, where there's very little margin? I mean, we all hope so, right? I mean, not that the drivers <laughs> want to see anything like that, but, I mean, the Chase Elliott incident started with him and Harvey getting together, and Elliott cut a tire and had the pit, and, you know, that was just chain reaction that led to Chase Elliott essentially holding up Harvick and allowing uh, Larson to kind of get the win there. Um, I think for sure we'll see something like that again. And hopefully, I mean, the, we're, we're talking about the cup race, but, I mean, your point, Marty, I mean, the Xfinity finish last year. It was insane. It's maybe the best finish of the season in both series uh, right. with Allmendinger versus Sindrick. Um, hopefully we see more of that as well. So with this new car, shifting or no, what have you, what have you been I, hearing? I think shifting, yes. But that, I mean, it's can you imagine be, shifting? No, I don't think drivers no, want to be shifting. They don't. I don't think they yeah. want to, but I think some will have to default to that. And think about it, there's really no straightaways to catch your breath. So if they do shift, yeah. you could have a miss shift and Ooh. mess up an engine. Yeah, that wouldn't be good. I've talked to a couple of drivers who are like, please no. I mean, anything but shifting. I mean, that, they're Got busy enough, enough as about. it is. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I have to ask the question, Nate. Ross Chastain is plus 26. His list of enemies is longer than this sheet of paper. This is their chance to exact some revenge. Does it happen Saturday night? I don't think it does because I think so many other guys are going to be on so many other agendas. Okay. I, I just I don't think it's the opportunity is going to arise. Who are your first four out? Or your first you're out? You're four right. out. I mean, you're going to stick with what you. I'm had a man of my word, so I'm going that. with three people currently below the cut line <laughs> to make the playoff to make the second round. My first four out are Alex Bowman, Austin Sendrick, Kyle Busch. Daniel Suarez, the same four as three weeks ago. You're a brave man, Nate. Who are, who are <laughs> your four one. out? Kim? Well, I was going to put Suarez out, but then Nate said he had Suarez out, and I was like, I can't 
Sure you can. <laughs> no, I'm going to go Cindric out, Dylan out, Briscoe, Harvick. Cindric has zero starts at Bristol, uh, and I think, like I said earlier, it favors veterans, so I don't think he's going to have an easy time this weekend. I actually am going with uh, Kevin Harvick, Austin Cindric, Daniel Suarez, and Tyler Reddick. Who I, I, don't, I don't know if – it's listen, look how close he is to the cut His line. His week hasn't been bad enough. I know. Look how close <laughs> he is to the cut line, and it's really hard to not make a mistake for 500 laps at Bristol. And I think when you're that precariously close, it's going to be tough. I don't know. I, I don't want to see it happen, but I think it could happen for Tyler Reddick. So. Okay. It wouldn't surprise me the way that team's going. It's going to be a fun weekend. Yeah. Um, hey, I want to give a quick shout-out before we take off. Martin Truex Jr. Sherry Pollocks are hosting their Catwalk for a Cause tonight. Best of luck to you guys. You want to learn more, go to martintruexjuniorfoundation.org to learn more. We'll see you Friday in Bristol, everyone. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.